0: Friends, last week we heard a question that came to all of us. What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, that question I paraphrased years ago when I met a well-to-do businessman who was an elder in a small congregation, and small church in the midst of a very large and very secular city. It was not easy to live there, spiritually or otherwise. And I asked him, why are you here? You, you, you could move to any place, but he answered, "We are here to serve." But I asked him again, "Why, why here to serve in this secular large city?" And he answered, "But I am among you as he that serves." Well, in my youthful zeal. I responded, but that is what Christ said. And he replied, precisely. Precisely. But I am among you as he that serveth. Thus Christ this morning to you and me. Words of Christ that we find in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22 verse 27 which i want briefly to meditate with you with the help of the lord two main points that concerns the essence of ministry in the first place what is it what does christ mean with these words and in the second place how this ought to transform us Here we are in the midst of debating disciples. Those who were called by Christ himself. Follow me. Those who had received his instruction. A ministry education by Christ himself. In the midst of his students. Who argue among themselves. As to which of them should be considered the greatest, a dispute at the Lord's table, where he just has shown his love for them and for all his children, where he desired to have fellowship with them before he suffered, where he had shown broken bread, his body given for you, the cup, his blood, which is shed, put out as a sacrifice for you, A meal for you when you seek your life outside yourself in Christ Jesus. A meal for you when you relish to be in his presence, when you cannot miss him anymore. A meal when you long for true community and community, creating us servant hearts, propelling us to love one another in humble ways as Christ Christ. Was the disciples' feet, as you read in John 13, and you debate and argue who among you is the greatest. And yet, he is among them. And he says, and listen, but... You see the contrast among the debating disciples... But I am the great I am, the bread of life who alone can sustain you as, as poor and needy beggars. The I am the light of the world who alone can open your eyes spiritual blind in yourself. The I am the great and gracious shepherd who alone can care for wandering sheep. The great I am, the resurrection of the life, who alone can rise and lift you up from your death when you are dead in sins and trespasses and gives life. I am, says Christ, I am among you Peter, John, Nathanael, Thomas, or whatever name you have. Peter, the existentialist, a person that lives with the proposition that existence precedes essence, a, a doer, a man of action, emotional response. And then John, the, 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 the rationalist, someone who, whose opinions and actions are based primarily on reason, someone we would say maybe who loves committee work and thinks it through, rather than an immediate action. And, and Peter and John... So different and yet called, I will make you fishes of men, brought together by Christ at his table. And then Nathaniel, the, the, the skeptical one, eh? can any good come out of Nazareth? And, and yet he quickly believes. When Jesus called him and said, when you were under the victory, I saw you. And whatever took place under that victory, we don't know. Only Nathanael know, but also Jesus know. And when Nathanael is confronted with the all-knowing Christ, he believes immediately, confesses, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And in contrast with the quick believing Nathanael is on the table also Thomas, called Dinnames, the twin, reminding possibly of his twin-mindedness. Thomas, who was willing to die for Christ. And yet he showed greater difficulty in believing than many others of the disciples. This combination in his life, a life of devotion to Christ, with a tendency to see the dark side of everything. And yet the existentialist, the rationalist, the quick believer, the doubter, despite their differences, together they are at the table of the Lord, called by Christ, follow me, called fishes of men and they are debating which of them is the greatest verse 25 says who exercises lordship who will rule who exercises authority who is the greatest is it not friends the sin of pride the sin of paradise and this loving servant savior crisis interrupts the discussion breaks into your world and let us know this morning but i am among you as the one who serves as he who serves to be the younger verse 26 an attendant one who assists not not to govern but to serve one, as a, who is a servant, a deacon, diaconos, is the word that is used in the text. One who waits at the table with guests. This is who Christ is, and that in view of the agony of Gethsemane, in view of the judgment of at Calvary. In view of the cross and death of Golgotha. In view, forsaken by his father. Friends, here is Christ the servant's suffering servant for debating, disputing, disciples, followers, taught by Christ himself, arguing who among them is the greatest. Do you see, here is Christ, this so willing and ready Savior, already from eternity, what we see in Psalm 40 and applied to Christ in Hebrews 10: Then said I, Lo, I come. Where you and I cannot come by nature. Because this is this gaping gap because of our sin. But He came, undeserved, and breaks into your world. Friends, God did for himself what his people could, could not do for themselves. Psalm forty reminds us, hè, where sacrifice and offering were not desired. Burnt offering and sin offering were not required. But Christ, Christ sacrifice, friends. It is freely prepared. And it must be freely received. It is he that says, I delight To do thy will, oh my God. Serving with delight. To do the will of him who sent me. Leaving that triune love and fellowship between him and the Father and the Spirit. Leaving glory itself. And for who? For the people like you and me. Sinners. And yet he shows us this morning. I am among you. That you, who so often forget why he came. That you, who so often want to be the greatest. eh, As future pastor, evangelist, missionary, called to whatever form of ministry. And yet he is among us as a servant. The least one, as the one who serves. Here is Christ, this humbling and dying servant as we are reminded in Philippians 2, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And he not only came and humbled himself, he became a servant savior. Yes, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, No beauty that we should desire him. He was a man of sorts acquainted with grief, and we, friends, be honest this morning. We esteemed him not. We did not ask for him, and yet he came, humbled himself so low, so low that he meets you and me where we are on the ruins of sin but he came serving bowed down himself, bent so low and scooped you up from death to life lifted us up out of the ruins raised you to a new life in this way he is among you as the one who serves Not only that he left eternal glory, being in the ever-presence of his Father and the Spirit, not only humbled himself, becoming a servant, but also he reminds us, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, becoming a sacrificial servant, not to be served, but to serve, giving his life as a ransom. Giving his life, lived a life that you and I should have lived. Died a death that you and I deserve. Giving his life as a ransom through his blood, which purchased, ransoms his people. Freeing them from all slavery and bondage of their sin. Set at liberty where Christ has set you free. And that for many, not a few, but many. Is it not you? Is it not you? Is it not you? For his people going to the cross the ultimate display of his sacrificial serving for a people like you and me who deserve death, who consider at times who should be the greatest, the smartest or whatever you fill in. Friends do you see this morning, a new and a fresh, this suffering, this humbling, this dying, this sacrificial servant, unwilling, unable, unserving Savior? Friends, have you come at the foot of the cross? Have you learned by grace what Horatius Bonar once wrote, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul, not what my tolling flesh can borne can make my spirit whole, not what I feel can give me peace with God, not all my prayers, sighs, and tears can bear my awful load of sin and self, thy work. Alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin, even now. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God. That is His offer to you this morning. His gracious, His generous, free offer to you. That He says, the living Christ, even now says, But I am among you, as the one who serves and ought that not to transform us. Our second point, what I mean is this, and let me be practical this morning, also for us as a seminary community. Is it seen in our community that Christ is among us as the one who serves? Not asking yourself, can I serve? Do I have the ability? Do I have time? by me? But is your life characterized, how can I serve you? You. You, O oh Lord. Is Christ seen in you and me through our serving one another, to the people who are entrusted to us through ministry opportunities? That it is as a student body, or as members of the faculty, or together in the classroom, times of prayer, singing, and fellowship, or together outside the classroom, field study center, internship, ministry embedded education. But is he seen through us by grace, the one, Christ Himself, who serves? The essence of ministry is it not to live. Out of Christ, your servant, your savior, your substitute. Eh? Whosoever of you will be the chiefest, the greatest, shall be a servant of all. So Christ reminds us in Mark 10. Friends, is Puritan reform known as a community where Christ is in the midst of a people? A people with sins and shortcomings. A people with failings and flaws. A people, men and women, maybe of action. Or maybe the skeptics. Or maybe the quick believers. Or maybe the doubters. But oh wonder of grace, he is among us. As the one who serves. And friends, it is very tempting to outline how we ought to have a servant heart. It is tempting to sketch what it means to imitate Jesus. Outline and sketch what it means, the life of obedience. And does he he not deserve that? Is that not the least what he can ask his children to love him as he loved you first? And yes, scripture gives us direction on how to be a servant and how it looks like. I give the three that you should seek the glory of your master, Christ and him alone. Not your reputation, not your public approval not to glory in your position, not to be preoccupied with personal visibility or recognition, whether or not through social media, but as one. As we read in Ephesians 6, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Second, you you, you forgo your rights, eh? Rather than obscure the gospel, for Christ's sake, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, I have made my servant, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. And third, you sacrificially seek the highest joy of those you serve. So we have sung of Psalm one hundred, he eh? reminds us served the Lord with gladness, with joy, and so. We serve one another with gladness, with joy. And yet, when pride rises in the heart, your heart, when you fail to be a true servant, when there may be times that you often miss a servant heart, when there are times so little humility, when there is but a little delight to serve. After all, we are busy, eh? so busy. To To whom shall you go? Is it then not undeserved, but a great and gracious comfort to know that the risen, resurrected, living Christ, it is he who continues to serve among you as he who serves, as the interceding servant? To know there is one, the living Christ, who is at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for each of his children, the one and only one, the interceding high priest who serves even now for those children who are so busy with themselves, who is the greatest. But he prays that your faith fails not. He reminds each of his children this morning to the ministry of the word, but I, I am among you as the one who serves. I am among you, that is in the midst of you, near you, not afar off, not condescending, but in all things like you, sin accepted, this sympathizing high priest. He is not only present, but he is intimately acquainted with you. And so he invites again this morning, come for all things now are ready. And yes, there are those who make excuses, but he serves and continues to invite who? Not the greatest, but bring the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. Is it not you? You who battle with pride in your studies, in your heart and life, to be the greatest after all you study at Puritan Reformed. For you who, who at times do not remember him, at times forget him, that he is your Savior, your substitute. For you who misses at times a servant heart, And even then, yet there is room. And even then, he invites, no, he urges, compel them to come in. Would you not then, would you not then take refuge in this interceding, glorious servant Christ? And therefore, what are you doing here? Elijah, or whatever your name is. Why are you here? I am here to serve for Christ's sake. Precisely. Humbling is it not? Hopeful? Oh yes. I am among you as the one who serves. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, will bless this brief meditation upon your words, of which you have reminded us this morning what a great high priest each of your children have. Also as a seminary community, this interceding high priest. I am among you as the one who serves. Lord, will grant a blessing upon your word that it bear fruit in our life and that as seminary community, as students, staff, and faculty, Christ is seen In the midst of us, as the one, and the only one, among us who serves. And we pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen.